0: We will turn our backs on the Lord and turn away from the Lord if we are not careful and if we do not take these things out of our lives. Just like Israel had to drive the nations out of the land, we have things in our lives that we need to drive out as well. So let me just set the stage before I read the verses. The verses are going to be verses 16. So... We all know this, so Joshua, he calls all the people together because they have been worshiping idols, so Joshua calls them together, and he tells everybody, okay guys, I am going to serve the Lord, and you have a choice. He says, choose you, or choose ye this day whom you will serve. He said, Joshua said, I am going to serve the Lord, and he said, you guys, I want you to choose who you are going to serve, and then we hear the people's answer in verse 16, and uh, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. So Joshua says, I'm going to serve the Lord. The people say, yes, we are going to serve the Lord as well. So we can see the people and Joshua, they are aligned in serving the Lord. But when we move through the chapter, judges chrono- chronologically, it comes after the book of Joshua, both uh, in the Bible and through history. And when we move to judges and chapter two and verse eleven, or we see something very different. and it says, in judges chapter two and verse eleven, "And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God." of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtoreth. So all the way back in the book of Judges, the people said, we are going to serve the Lord. But now, or sorry, in the book of Joshua, the people said we're going to serve the Lord. But now in the book of Judges, the people, they have done a complete 180 and they have turned around and they have started worshiping other gods. They said, we are going to serve the Lord with all of our hearts. But a couple of chapters later, something completely different has happened. So what happened between Joshua chapter two or just Judges chapter two and Joshua chapter 24? And we can see that in the book. If we move back to the start of chapter two, or sorry, to chapter one in Judges and chapter one, we can see what happened. In Judges chapter one in verse 21, it says, and the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And moving on to 27, it says, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and her towns, nor Tanakh and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Ib Liem and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong, they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nehalal, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Acho and the inhabitants of Zidon, nor Alab, nor Akzib, nor Helba, nor Aphek, nor Rehob. But the Ash, Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites and in the inhabitants of the land, uh, for they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beshemesh for the inhabitants of Bethaneth. But he dwelt among the Canaanites the inhabitants of the land, nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beshemesh and of Bethanath became tributaries unto them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not suffer them to come down into the valley. But the Amorites would dwell among, would dwell in Mount Heres, in Ajalon, in Shalabim. Yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed, so they became tributaries. You see, the children of Israel did not drive out the inhabitants of the land. And that is very significant. And we'll just take a word of prayer and then we will continue. Dear Lord, I just want to pray that you would be with me and that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and just help me to preach what you want preached, dear Lord, and to communicate what you want communicated. And I pray that at the end of this message, you would be honored and glorified. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we go back to Joshua chapter 24, we can see that Israel, they were gung-ho in serving the Lord. They wanted to serve the Lord. They were fully committed to serving the Lord. But after not driving out the inhabitants, in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 11, we see a completely different Israel. They have completely turned their backs to the Lord. They have denied serving the Lord. They have done evil in the sight of the Lord. So this is where the Israel in Joshua chapter 24 and the Israel in Judges chapter 22 are two completely different nations. One wants to follow the Lord, and one has completely turned their back to the Lord. And in the middle of that, we can see that Israel, they were given a task, and they did not complete that task fully. Instead of completely driving out the nations around them, they only went halfway. They decided that they were going to make them tributaries instead. And we can see going halfway. If we turn to 1 Samuel in chapter 15, we can see another example of this. And this example was King Saul. He did the exact same thing. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 9, it says, But Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep and the best, or spared Agog and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, they destroyed utterly. So... Saul, instead of completely following the Lord, he decided that he was going to go partway because he thought that he could do a little bit better. And the Israelites, they decided the same thing here. They said, you know what? What if instead of completely driving the nations out, we make them tributaries instead? Now, this sounded like a great idea because when they are tributaries, they pay tribute to Israel. They pay money to Israel. Now, that sounds like a great idea. To me, that sounds like a great idea. I'm guessing you're thinking that sounds like a great idea too, but that was a terrible idea because we can see the end result of it was that... Israel, they ended up completely turning their backs on God. Now, why was that? That because they didn't drive them out, why did they turn their backs on the Lord? And we can see that Israel made three decisions of destruction. You see, the entire Old Testament is a warning to us that if we don't follow the Lord and we keep sin in our lives, we will, turn our backs, or we will turn our backs to the Lord and walk away from him. We can see that all throughout the Bible. We can see character after character after character. We can see the example of the nation of Israel. They started following the Lord, but they would turn their backs to him and they would turn away from him and that is a warning to us if we are not willing to follow the Lord or if we only go halfway or if we decide that we know a little better than God the end result will always be the same they have been different characters all throughout the Bible and I just want to jump ahead a little bit and give you another example of the wisest man in the Bible if we know King Solomon we know that he was the wisest man the Bible says that there was none wiser before him and there was none wiser after him but what was the result of King Solomon's legacy He turned his back away from the Lord, too, and we can see that in 1 Kings and chapter 4. In 1 Kings, or sorry, 1 Kings chapter 3, it says, And Solomon made affinity with with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David, until he had made an end of building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem. So Solomon, he decided that, okay, I am going to go and marry the king of Pharaoh's daughter. Now this sounded like a great decision. Politically, it might've been a great decision because Egypt, they were a superpower and Israel would have benefited from this decision. But if we move ahead, if we go all the way to chapter 11, we can see that this was a terrible decision for Israel. And we can see that the wisest man, he fell because he not only made a league with, Pharaoh, he made a league with all of the nations around him through political marriages. And through these political marriages, they affected Solomon. And we can see that in um, 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as was the heart of David. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of of the Zidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David. So we can see here that the wisest man that ever lived, he fell victim to the influence of those nations that were around him. Israel, all the way back in Judges, they fell victim to this. Solomon, they fell victim to this. So that is a warning to us that we have to be very careful of what we allow into our lives and who we allow into our lives and who we allow to affect us. Now we can look at the decisions that Israel made. You see, when we went through chapter one, we saw that Israel, they failed to drive out nations. And we can look at that application and we can apply that to our own lives. Now, I don't know specifically your situation, but the Holy Spirit knows. You know, as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit is bringing things to remembrance. He is letting you know things in your life that you need to drive out. And we can look at Israel's example and we can see that they failed to drive things out of their lives and that affected them negatively in the long run. And there are things in my life and there are things I'm guessing in your life as well that we need to drive out or they will affect us and they will lead us to destruction. Ultimately, Israel ended up Um, Israel ended up getting led to destruction and the same thing is going to happen to us we will turn our backs on the Lord and turn away from the Lord if we are not careful and if we do not take these things out of our lives just like Israel had to drive the nations out of the land we have things in our lives that we need to drive out as well but it's not only driving things out. We don't just stop there. We have to put good things back in, or we have to replace what we drove out with good things, with spiritual things. If we go to uh, Luke chapter 11, I just want to give you a really quick example. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 24, it says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell therein. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So... What this is saying is that if we do not replace what we take out with better and more spiritual things, we're just going to end up like we were before. So when we drive out the sin in our life, when we drive out those other things, we have to replace them with good things. We have to replace them with, you know, things from the Bible, things that are right, things that are righteous, things that are holy, things that are spiritual. We have to do a swap in a sense. We can't just drive things out and leave it like that. We have to replace it with good things. So moving on to... uh, Judges chapter two, I want to show you the, the three decisions of destruction that Israel made. And in Judges chapter two, it says, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Now we saw this in Solomon's case where he made political marriages to the nations around him and they led to destruction. You see, a league is a strategic partnership or relationship. This can be between individuals, this can be between organizations. This can be between nations. With the idea of working towards a common goal. When you are in league with something, that thing has influence over you. And we see this in the case of Israel. When they failed to, to drive out the nations that were around them, those nations in turn came back and they influenced Israel. And ultimately, Israel, they ended up worshiping the gods of the nations that were around them. And we saw the same thing happen with King Solomon, King Solomon, he went, he had all these political marriages, all these leagues with different nations. And those leagues, uh, all the wives that he married, they said, Solomon, we want to worship our gods. And Solomon, he capitulated and he said, okay, I'm going to allow you to worship your gods. And what ended up happening was they influenced Solomon to turn completely away from the Lord. You see, a league is something, uh, when, when you enter into a league with someone, they have influence over you. So the logical question is, you know, who are we allowing to influence us? Are we in league? Are we in league with people or organizations or different things that are pulling us away from the Lord? Or are we in league with things that are pulling us closer to God? We saw what happened with Solomon. We saw what happened to the nation of Israel. This is something that we have to take, you know, very seriously, because ultimately the end result is either we are going to be pulled away from God or we are going to be pulled closer to God. And we can see an example of a league that uh, went badly and, a, and an example of a league that went well. For we can turn to 1 Kings and chapter 12. And we can see an example of Rehoboam. In 1 Kings chapter 12, in verse 8, it says, But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. So if you know the story, Rehoboam, he had two different sets of groups that he was in league with. He had the old counselors who told him, who gave him good advice and told him advice that would help to prolong his leadership. And he had the young men who were ultimately uh, bad influences on Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, he ended up listening to the bad advice of the younger counselors and he was in league with them and they ended up pulling him away from God or pulling and ultimately dividing the nation of Israel into the northern tribe and into the southern tribe. This happened with Rehoboam because he listened to bad advice because Rehoboam was in league with the wrong type of counsel in a sense. And now for an example of somebody that was in league uh, with a good person, for lack of a better word. I'm sorry, the word escaped me. But First Samuel chapter 9 and verse 5. We have an example of Saul. So Saul, he has been searching for his donkeys and he has come to the end of his rope. He is about to give up and... Saul says, and when they were come to the land of Zoph, or sorry, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 5, and when they were come to the land of Zoph, Saul said to his servant that was with him, come, let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. You see, Saul here, he was about to give up, but because Saul was in league with somebody that wanted to strengthen him and wanted to push him forward, what ended up happening was his servant said, and he said unto him, behold now, there is in this city, a man of God. He is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go uh, thither and peradventure. He can show us our way that we should go. So you see, what happened here was Saul, he was about to give up. But because of the advice of his servant, Saul he kept going. He was able to push a little bit further. He was able to go on a little bit further. So you see, because Saul was in league with somebody that was that was wanting to push him and wanting to encourage him, Saul, he was able to go farther. When Saul was just about to give up, because of the advice of his servants, Saul was able to go on a little bit more. But, and we saw the opposite side. We saw Rehoboam. Because Rehoboam took bad advice, he Uh, um, He not only brought himself down, he brought the nation of Israel along with him. So you see, those we are in league with can either influence us positively or they can influence us negatively. And, you know, I have to look at my life and you have to look at your life as well. And we have to say, who are we allowing to influence us? Are we allowing them to influence us negatively or are we allowing them to influence us positively you know, who are you in league with? Are there any relationships in your life that are pulling you away from God? Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 27. Proverbs six twenty-seven says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? So you see, if we... Allow negative influences into our lives, we are going to be burned because we cannot play with fire and expect to come out unscathed. And second point first, we had, and or first, we had, make no league with the inhabitants of the land, and second, we have, ye shall throw down their altars in Judges 2 and verse 2. It says, ye shall throw down their altars. You see, today. We don't worship physical idols. I doubt any of you go home and you know, you have a, or you're you struggling and you know, with a shrine at home. None of us really struggle with that. We don't go home to our shrine and we say, oh, you know, God, I really don't want to bow down to the statue. That's not something that we struggle with. That's something that may, they may have struggled with a long time ago, but we don't struggle with physical idols today. Today, we struggle with idols of the heart. These are idols that we have in our lives that, you know, might not necessarily be... Physical things, but things that we allow ahead of God, things that we allow into our lives to take uh, to take first place in our to take first place in our lives. Things that we allow ahead of God. And Matthew seven or Matthew chapter seven and verse three. Matthew chapter seven and verse three says, and why? Beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. You see, it's very easy for us to read the Bible and to criticize Israel. We could say, how in the world could they turn their backs on God after everything God did for them? God led them through the wilderness. God led them out of the land of Egypt. God, he provided manna for them. God, he provided water from a rock. God did this for them and God did that for them. How in the world could Israel turn their backs on God? It's easy for us to read the book and to criticize Israel, but it's a lot harder to look in our own lives and to say, I am just as idolatrous as Israel was because we have things in our lives that we allow ahead of God, and I don't know what that is for you, and you don't know what that is for me, but we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, like I said before, He brings things to remembrance, and if there is anything the Holy Spirit is bringing into your life that you are putting ahead of God, that is something that you need to take care of. That is an idol in your life. It might not necessarily be a physical idol. It might be more an idol of the heart or or something else. I don't know exactly what that is, but the Holy Spirit, He will show you, and if that's something that you have allowed ahead of God, that's something that you need to take care of, because we can see all throughout the Old Israel, they struggled with idolatry. They struggled with physical idols. They would keep going back and they would keep putting things ahead of God. And that's something that we struggle with too, you know. We have things in our lives that we struggle and we want to put ahead of God. We have things in our lives that we think are incredibly important that we want to put ahead of God. But we have to trust God. We have to let it go and we have to trust God, you know, that God is sufficient, that God is, you know, above all else, that God is, he is enough for us. And we have to put God first in our Lives. See, is God really first in your life? You know, we need to admit it. We need to throw down the idols, and we need to put God back in the position that he belongs. And moving on. So first we had, ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land, and ye shall throw down their idols. And lastly we have, ye have not obeyed my voice. Israel, they didn't obey. You see, obedience is a result of faith. In Hebrews, in chapter 1, we have the biblical definition of faith, and I'm sure it's a verse that you guys have heard many, many times. Or, oh, sorry, Hebrews 11 and chapter 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. What does that mean? It means faith is believing before you see the result. That's what that means. Faith is believing before you see the result. You see, Israel, all throughout the history, they struggled with unbelief and they struggled with disobedience. When we stop obeying, it is because we have stopped believing God and believing his word. You see, it is one thing to say that you believe God and that you trust that he answers prayer, but it is another thing entirely to persist in faith, knowing that God will answer your prayers. See, in Mark 9 and verse 24, In Mark 9 and verse 24, it says, and straightway the father of the child cried and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And is that somewhere that we've come to, you know, do we need help with unbelief? You know, that's something that, you know, I, I have to ask. I have to ask the Lord, you know, to help my faith, to help me to grow in faith, to help my unbelief, because sometimes, you know, I need, you know, encouragement to, 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 to persist and to believe more. Just like the father said, he said, Lord, help my unbelief. Do you also need help with unbelief? Help in following the Lord, helping, believing the Lord? You know, have you stopped obeying the Lord? Have you stopped believing the Lord? Have you given up praying for anything? See, all throughout Israel's history, they struggled with disobedience and they struggled with unbelief. So when we go back and we see that Israel, they didn't drive out the nations, we can say Israel messed up. But even though Israel, they made a choice not to mess up God, he still used that. In uh, Judges chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, I, this is God speaking, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord. Walk therein as their fathers did, keep it or not. You see, God, He took a situation that was bad and He said, Okay, I am going to prove Israel. I am going to test them to see whether they will walk in my way or not. And you see, God, He is proving us through our circumstances as well. So that begs the question. Is your faith weak or is your faith strong? Because we know the answer for Israel, they failed. They failed time after time after time again. But what about you? And we have to ask. So, God he wanted to prove them that whether they will keep the way of the Lord. So, what is the way of the Lord? In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 33. Deuteronomy five thirty-three. it says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, that it may be well with you, and that it may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments with the Lord, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I commanded thee, and thy son, and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that, thou, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers have promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey." Hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And this verse was quoted by Jesus in Mark chapter 22. And, oh sorry. I put the wrong reference. Matthew chapter 22, sorry. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So, Walking in the way of the Lord means loving God, and it means loving our neighbors. So that begs the question what is love? Now, love is a word that it's used in a lot of different contexts and in a lot of different ways. But the way that I define love, or the way that I see the Bible defines love, is in the parable of the samaritan in Matthew or Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. And Luke chapter 10 and verse 30 says, "And Jesus, answering a certain man, went down, and a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, and likewise a levite when he was" At the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was when he saw him. He had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendeth more, when I come again, I will repay it. The Samaritan here, he showed love. Now, ultimately, the point, of the, par- or the point of the parable, as Jesus said, is, you know, the Samaritan was the neighbor. But also, this also illustrates what love is. You see, love is looking out for the needs of another. Love is looking out for the well-being of another. Of another. And that's what the Samaritan did. He went completely out of his way to look out for the needs of somebody else. And we know who made the ultimate sacrifice. That was Jesus. You see, Jesus, he went completely out of his way to look out for our need of salvation. You see, we couldn't save ourselves, but Jesus, he loved us. He saw that we had a problem. He looked out for our needs and he came and he filled that need. And that's what love is. Love is looking out for the needs of another. So when we want to walk in the way of the Lord, you know, we have to love God and we have to love our neighbor. So if love is looking out for the needs of somebody else, we have to ask, do we love God? What does loving God looks like? Loving God looks like looking out for what God expects of us or what God needs us to do. And Where can we find what God needs us to do? We can find what God needs us to do right here. And so that begs the next logical question. Are we studying the Bible? Are we actively looking to find what God wants us to do? Are we actively looking to find what God desires of us? Because that's love. If we love God, we're going to look out for what God needs for us. And you see, God, he loved us. God looked out for our needs. But are we looking out for what God needs us to do? That's what love is. And we also have to love our neighbors. Are we, you know, looking out for our neighbor's well-being as well? And that's what walking in the way of the Lord is. So you see, Israel, they made decisions. They made a league with the nations that were around them that ultimately led to their downfall. Israel, they were ensnared by idolatry, and that ultimately led to their downfall. Israel, they failed to obey, and they were mired in unbelief, and that led to their downfall. But, you know, we have a choice as well. Are we going to be like Israel, or, or, or are we going to learn from their example and move in the opposite direction that they did? Thank you for watching The Message today.